Well, happy Thanksgiving. Everybody had a good time? Yeah, this has been great. Great crowd this morning. And uh, you all, I was afraid you'd be hung over, you know, with a... Not from drinking, just from having a turkey hangover or something like that, you know. My, uh, my clothes... You know, I've got a new theory about clothes. I think in the wintertime, in the dark, you hang them in the closets and they shrink. That's what I think. I think it's the, the dark. I really do, yeah. Well, I hope you had a good time. We had a great time. Uh, did anybody have any cooking mistakes this year? Nobody put salt in the pie instead of sugar? No. Did, nobody left a towel in the turkey? Anybody drop the turkey while he's trying to carve it in the floor and then wash it off under the sink? Or You wouldn't tell us if you did, would you? No. I wonder why that grit was in my turkey that... <clears throat> Did anybody wait too late to thaw your turkey out? Huh? Come on. And it was raw on the inside and burnt to crisp on the outside? Okay. Well, you know, okay. So make sure you, in case that ever happens, you know you can have Chinese takeout, you know. You can get by. We, the Killingsworths this year, we had a precious Thanksgiving. It was, honestly, I think it was one of the best ever for me. Uh, because of the recent loss of my youngest brother, uh, it just seemed like it made everybody more precious to me, you know. And we were just glad to be together. And, and we know life is fragile, and there are no promises. And, and it just seemed special to me this time. Uh, we've had a lot of losses in my family. And uh, to, the losses, I guess you can't call them losses when they go to heaven, but we've, we've sure missed them. But this, this really came home to us this week, this, to me. And I just loved it a great deal. We got to welcome old friends again. And we even had, to, in my family, I don't know how many there are. Uh, Gail, would you estimate how many was it? Lonnie's house, 50 or 60? Uh, or whatever, came for Thanksgiving breakfast. And my mother came to me. She said, this is half of us. So you get an idea. We have a huge family, extended family. And every time on, on a Thanksgiving, there's well, somebody's brought a new boyfriend or girlfriend to the party, you know. And so we get to meet new ones, and we say goodbye to old ones. It's a great time. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm uh, just moving right on from that. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> well, let's get with our study today. I have had to rush all morning because I've got way too much sermon to preach, but I've got it done, and I'm here in time to, to have a good cup of stew back there. But anyway, let's move into our study. We're looking at our study of, of who Jesus is. Who is he? And we have come up with some conclusions. First of all, we've discovered that he is the Son of God and the Son of Man. Uh, and, and if you have problems understanding that, well, join the crowd. Nobody figures this out. This is God's stuff. Only God could do that. He's the creator of heaven and of earth and all that's in it. Uh, and I think one of the new things to me was he's the creator of heaven and all everything that's in heaven, he created that, as well as what's on the earth, his family there and his family here. And then he's the redeemer who restores us. Those are the things that have, uh, that have come out to me the, the most important out of these last two sermons, and today being the third in this series. Today... We're going to go to the last book in the Bible for our text, Revelation. And by the way, 
It is revelation, not revelations. And I hear that almost, well, I hear it way too often. People think it is, let's read the book of Revelations. No, it is the book of Revelation about Jesus Christ. It is one revelation about him. And it comes from the word, of course, apocalypse, apocalypse, but it is a singular. It's a revelation about Jesus. So in this Revelation chapter 1, we're going to get a glimpse of the exalted divine Jesus. Now, when he was on the earth in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when he was on the earth, we saw his humanity. We watched him walk the dusty streets of Palestine. We, we were with him at the, around the campfires when he cooked bread and fish. We were there with him when he walked on the sea and in a boat, the calm that sea, and then walked on that sea. We were with him in his humanity. We saw him. We could come close to him because he was one of us. We could touch him. We could talk to him. We could eat with him. We could give him a big hug if we wanted to because he was one of us, human, son of man. But today in Revelation chapter 1, we're going to stand in amazement, stand amazed in the presence of the, of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Today, John, Revelation chapter 1, we're going to pull the curtain back in, in Revelation chapter 1, and we see him for who he really is. Now, when he walked the earth, he was, in a, he was in a human man suit. But if you could have looked inside what you would have seen when he was on the earth, you're going to get a picture of it today in Revelation chapter 1. Let's read Revelation 1.1. 1, 1. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. So, this is a revelation, and it's from Jesus Christ, uh, which God gave him, in other words, God gave to John to show to everybody what's, uh, what is, must soon take place. So, the book of Revelation is about the future. It's primarily about the future. There are things in it, of course, uh, that, that are, I think we're very near some of the revelation, some of the things it's going to talk about. Some of it ha- has already happened a little bit in our, in our church age time, but some of it's about to happen again. I think it's not just our future, but it's our immediate future. Uh, I think we're standing right at the beginning of the uh, tribulation time. Let's keep reading. Verse 1 continues. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is, the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, in this verse 2, we get a lot of, of not confusing, not even contradictory, but things that need a little explaining. For instance, he sends an angel, but it's not just an angel. It is to his servant John, because this angel testifies, that is, the Word of God. He's the Word of God, and he's the testimony of Jesus Christ. So this angel, okay, we're talking about apocalyptic literature. Now, when we are in apocalyptic literature like Revelation, they're not painting with a very small brush, you know, details. In Revelation, they're painting with a big old wide paintbrush, all right? So we're, 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 the theology here may get hung up in the language, but more than anything else, they're trying to paint a big picture. So here, here we see this person that's coming, and he's got the Word of God. He sent to the servant John. John's going to write down everything he tells him, that, that he hears from this person, the Word of God. It's Jesus Christ. Let's read verse 3. Blessed, oh, by the way, before we read this, 
I want you to remember, to notice that this verse, Revelation 1, 3, is the only verse that I know of in the Bible that promises you a blessing if you listen to it. If you hear it read and put it to work in your life, you'll be blessed. And now I know we're all, all blessed when we read the Word of God. We all are blessed. But this is the one that has that specific promise. Now let's read it. Verse 3, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart, what is written in it, because the time is near. Now, the blessing, of course, is because we're going to hear the Word of God. And we get to put in our life because we're about close, we're close to the end. Read aloud and hear it. And that's two things. But take it to heart is the key. It's a promise, a promised blessing to anyone who will take it to heart. So today you're going to be blessed. <laughs> you may not be blessed from the sermon. You may not be blessed from the singing, but you're going to be blessed because you're going to get to listen to the Word of God, the book of Revelation, chapter 1, read, read aloud, quite a bit of it. Down, Jump down to verse 9. Uh, we'll come back, but I want to go down to 9 for just a moment. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos, because of the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus. So John is the one who receives this message, this vision, and he's been given an inf information about what to do. Why was he on the island? You've probably heard this a thousand times. John was on the island of Patmos, which is a prison island, an island that the Romans used for a prison. And uh, they put him out there because he was preaching the, the message of Jesus Christ, the witness of Christ. Uh, the Romans did not have a place in their theology for Jesus. They didn't believe in him. They didn't accept him because they worshiped Zeus and Jupiter and whatever Roman god at that time that he was called. So they didn't have a place for uh, for Jesus, Yahweh, in their in their theology. So they, instead of listening to him preach, uh, they put him out on this island to shut him up, put him out here. And he was out there on this island. And verse 10 tells us, on the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit. So he was out on this island. It was Sunday. How do we know it was Sunday? It was the Lord's day. If it had meant Saturday, he'd have called it Sabbath. All right, so he says, it's the Lord's day. This, this is written in the 90s. So we're, you know, we could be 60 years past the resurrection. We've had time for the church and, and the Jewish synagogue to separate, to kind of take their own track and go in different ways. The Jews, of course, worshiped on Sabbath, Saturday. The new Christian church began to move to Sunday, uh, or, or the Lord's Day, they called it, the day of resurrection. So John was on that island in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. Now, get this. He was out there in, on this island, probably alone, uh, kind of the wind and the fog and the rain, uh, not much rain, but something. He was out there on this island, and he was all alone, and he was in the Spirit. Now, what does that mean? Well, he was worshiping. He, he was remembering Jesus' stories and his miracles. He was remembering the cross and the resurrection. He was remembering those precious times, those horrible times. And he was worshiping the Lord out here on this island all by himself. And from behind him, he hears an amazing voice speak to him from behind him. Now, he doesn't see it. He hears it. And it sounds, we're going to read in a moment, it sounds like rushing waters. It's like a, a waterfall speaking to him, these words. Let's read down. And I heard behind me a loud voice, like a trumpet, which said, 
by the way, like a trumpet here. Later he calls it like water. But it's like a trumpet which said, Write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. So John was, was instructed, write what you hear. Write it down, send it to seven churches that I just mentioned here. These are seven churches that are in uh, Turkey area, up around Turkey, modern-day Turkey, um, Constantinople and, and those places in there. They go from the Palestine all the way up around the Aegean as you head on into Italy and into the, to Europe. So it's in that curve there. So write this letter to them, what you have heard. Now, in Christ's humanity, we can, as I said, we can come up and, and give him a hug. We can get close to him. We can share intimate human-to-human things with him. But in his divinity, as of today, we're going to stand amazed in the presence. We're going to see him for who he truly is. Now, remember the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, have shown us the Son of God. The book of Revelation is going to show us the Son of... Uh, sorry, the Son of Man. Revelation is going to show us the Son of God. That's the, the contrast between the two. So, in this revelation, the singular apocalypse, or unveiling... We're going to see some things about Jesus that we want to know. This, we're going to learn more about him. First of all, he is eternal. He is eternal. I've talked about that some here, the difference between immortal and, and eternal. And something that's immortal has a beginning and no end. Jesus is eternal. He didn't have a beginning. He doesn't have an end. All right, so let's read it. He is eternal. To the seven churches in the province of Asia... Grace and peace to you from him who is, who was, and who is to come. So the three phases of time, he says, this is coming from that one who was, who is, and who is to come. Now, the revelation, of course, was written to the seven churches because they represent churches of all ages. Uh, they, you, know, you could pick one and apply it to this age, and you could pick another church and apply it to this age. I don't know that that's accurate or even purposeful, but that's, you can do that. So he, he represents all the time, but Jesus is the one. And, and then it says, and from the seven spirits before his throne. Seven spirits before his throne. Does anybody understand that? If you do, come and explain that to me. Uh, what are these and who is this? We don't know, guys. We don't know what this is. Uh, uh, theologians talked about, the spill, as I say, they spilt a lot of ink over it, but I don't know that anybody knows what that really is like. But but I want you to notice the number seven begins to pop up a lot. Seven spirits, seven ca- candlesticks in a moment, seven stars in his hand. A lot of stuff like that begins to happen. But there's just a lot about God I don't know yet. But that's what heaven's going to be for. Amen? We're going to find out more and more about him then when we get there. Well, first, we know he's eternal, but we also discover here that he has many names and many titles. When you know someone's name today, that's not much help, is it? You just kind of, it's a handle. My name is Scotty. What's, what's a Scotty? I, I, who knows? It doesn't describe anything, right? It just, that's a, a handle that they've stuck on me. When they want me instead of somebody else, they, they know what to call me. But if you, in the ancient world, or, or when you're dealing with God, to know his name means to know something about him. It describes him. Like the American Indian, you know, they had names for their children that described something about them. Uh, so Jesus here is called, verse 5, 
and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. So we begin to get titles flashed out before us. So, wow, we're beginning to understand. So, okay, he's a faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Okay, this is great. See, these are not all the names of Jesus, but these are the ones that he wanted John to write down and send to these seven churches. He wanted them to know that's who he is. That's who's talking. That's who this letter is coming from. Okay? The faithful witness. What does that mean? <clears throat> well, Jesus was faithful to his mission. His faithful. He witnessed to us of the love of the Father. He witnessed to us about the plan of redemption. He was faithful all the way to the cross. He went to the cross. He could have, do you know he could have opted out of the cross at any time? He only went through with it because he loves you and me. He went through it because that saves us and humanity. But he could have opted out, but he, he went through. He was faithful. He was the firstborn from the dead. <clears throat> now, that simply is the resurrection. Some people have said, well, there was other people resurrected. Yeah, but they died again. But Jesus is still alive today. So he's the first resurrected from the dead. And then the ruler of the kings of the earth. The ruler of the kings of the earth. Now, well, now you mean that Jesus is ruling all these kings on the earth? Are you sure? Well, let me tell you for sure. When he comes back the second time, you're going to look and there's stuff. He's got tattoos all over him when he comes back. And he's got the word written on his thigh, king of kings and Lord of lords. And he's got written on him, Prince of Peace. He's got all these great titles written on him, because when he comes back, he will be the king of all kings. Every knee will bow to him. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's what's going to happen. So he's got lots of titles. We're learning a lot about you, Lord. <clears throat> we also found out and are learning more that he has wonderful plans for his family on the earth. He has plans for us. For the people that he loves, he's got plans for us. Let's read verse 5, continuing. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom of priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. He loves us and freed us by his blood. Now, I want you to get this. He says, all this is, has been done to make you and I a kingdom of priests. Oh, okay. You're beginning to now understand a little bit about what the family on earth, the born-again family on earth, is going to be in eternity. Part of your eternity is going to be a priestly function. So to start practicing, I want you all to get your little white collar and wear it next Sunday and bring your little black shirt because you're going to practice being a priest. That's not at all what I'm talking about. I'm trying to be silly, but... <clears throat> but you are going to serve as priestly duty. <clears throat> Have you been to a Catholic church? I've been to many, many, many Catholic churches. Some of you maybe are even Catholic in your background or still are. <clears throat> when you go to a Catholic mass, the priest at one point in the mass will turn his back to the congregation and he will pray to the cross up there before him. He will pray for the people. 
So part of a priestly duty is to pray for the people, intercession. Then in, in another part of the Mass, he will turn and he will face the congregation and he will speak God's Word to the people. So the dual purpose of a priest is to intercede, to pray for the people, to the Lord, and then to, at another point to turn from that position and look to the people and give them God's Word. So that are two of the functions you will be serving in eternity as a priestly. You will be a kingdom of priests doing that very thing for the future, for eternity, whatever that is or whatever that means, which I don't know yet what all that does, but it will give you an idea. So we can know that he's going to do wonderful things for his family that he loves, and he's got a great job for us to do. Now we also know that he's coming back. He's coming back. Let's look at verse 7. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. Hmm. With the clouds. What does the world that mean? What does that mean he's coming with the clouds? I don't know. Uh, I wish I did. I think there's so much more here in this than we can figure, that we even know or can, can know. But he left in a cloud, didn't he? Do you know that? He left in a cloud. He's coming back in a cloud. I don't know what that means. That's just, I don't think he has to have a cloud to move around the universe. Do you? But he chooses to move around a cloud in the universe in a cloud. Don't know why. Uh, with the clouds. Uh, clouds are, what are they? I don't know. They kind of obscure vision. You can't see on a, dark, on a night when the clouds are all over the sky, you can't see the stars. They obscure it. Uh, you know, clouds usually are up unless it's a foggy morning and then they're down. But you know the point. But we don't know. So I do know this. Jesus said in Matthew 24 that these times that we're living in are very deceitful. He started out his warnings in Matthew 24 by saying, do not be deceived. And then he says it one other time in, in, that, in that treatise in Matthew 24. He said, don't be deceived. And so I'm going to say to you that when he comes, until he comes, there will be great deceit. But when he comes, every eye will see him, every tongue will confess, every knee will bow. There will be no more deceit. When he comes, man, it's, it's the final time. Uh, so if somebody says, well, he's in the basement of the Vatican, don't believe it. Or if they say he's out in the desert, don't go running out there and looking for him. Because when he comes again... Every eye will see him, and everybody will know who he is and what he's come to do. There'll be no doubt about it. No, no, it can't be hidden. One of the things that I was that breaks my heart is I know how joyful I, I'm looking forward to the second coming. How anxiously I'm looking forward to it, and my heart warms when I think about him coming back, and I have great peace that sweeps over me. But I also know that there are a lot of people, when they think about the second coming, are sad. They're just sad because they weren't ready or they haven't lived the kind of life they should have lived. And, and some of them have rejected him. And let's read this. It says, and all people of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. They will mourn because of him. The second coming will cause mourning on some people's lives. 
they didn't recognize him and accept him as the Son of God. They Maybe they wasted their lives in sinful pleasures and self-pleasures. They were more concerned about themselves and not about loving others. And they look at him and they think, oh, we blew it. We missed him. I could have worshipped him, King of kings and Lord of lords, but instead I worshipped my time, my pleasure, my recreation, my leisure. I I worshipped all of that, and I missed that. And they're going to mourn because of that and cry because of what they've, how they've lived their lives. That's why people are going to mourn. I don't want you to be in mourning when he comes. I want you to be dancing a jig and singing hallelujah and and praising the Lord when he comes back. I want you to be filled with joy and not mourning. And it all depends upon what you do with Jesus now, how you live your life now. If you're born again, have your sins covered, and you've lived a spirit-filled life where you've loved God with all your heart and your neighbors yourself, when that day comes, when he steps out of the cloud and comes down, you will be so happy. That's what I hope for you. Because then we're going to see Jesus, the Son of God. Now, I've got about five minutes left, and I want to focus on this. This is where I've been trying to get today. So let's read. He is the Jesus, the Son of God, the divine Jesus. Okay, I'm going to pick up verse 12, about in the middle of it. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. Now, get the, get the uh, like if this was a play, notice the staging change. John was looking out. He was hearing something behind him. Now, he turns, and he looks back. When he turns and looks back at what was behind him, he saw seven. Let's count them. One, two, three, four, five. Six, seven, seven lampstands, golden lampstands. Light was coming from them. So whatever it was, first thing we see was light. Verse 13, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, like a human. He was like a human. Didn't say he was, it said he was like a human. He had a head, he had arms, he had legs, he had anthropomorphic features. He had human features. He uh, uh, he was dressed like a man, dressed in a robe, sorry, reaching down to his feet. So I don't know where it started, shoulders, neck, and went from here all the way down to his feet and around his middle part here and a golden sash around his chest. Beautiful picture. His hair, verse 14, the hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars coming out of his mouth, was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. Now, if you are a teenager and you speak with like, you say like every other word. Any teenagers here do that? Well, it's like. It's a little bit like. Well, Well, this is a, a teenage verse right here. Everything in this is like, all right? It is metaphorical. It's showing you what it's like wool. It's, it's a, like blazing fire. It's like bronze in a furnace. It's like the sound of rushing waters. Well, you get the point. So the same Jesus who was born in a manger in a human body, in a baby body, grew up, walked the dusty streets, played in the streets and the backyards of Palestine and Nazareth and then other and then he grew up and walked the dusty streets of Palestine, preached the gospel, lived and died on a cross 
and was buried and rose again. That same Jesus is the one we just see right here, John describing. But he's in his flesh suit before, and now he's no longer held back behind that veil of flesh. We get to see who he is and what he is. It was majesty as he walked among us. Seven spirits, seven golden lampstands, seven stars in his hand. There's a theme going on here, right? Anybody picking up the seven thing? There's a lot of sevens going on here. Dressed in a white robe, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I don't have time. You've, your imagination is better than mine anyway. So when I saw him, John said, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Now, don't just, I mean, come on, get in this just a minute, will you? Get in this story. Here this old man is, old man, very old, on this island all by himself. He's in, it's a Sunday and he's praying. He's in, he's in the spirit. He hears this stuff that tells him to do. And he turns around and he sees all them lampstands and this guy in the middle with that. It's just a brilliance. That light is shining out of him. His feet are like they're coming out of a furnace. He looks around and he goes, boom. He passes out. Get it? Come on. That's exactly what happens. It's just more than his body could, could understand or comprehend. And so he faints, he passes out. And I fell at his feet, though dead, as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades and death and, death and hell. <coughs> Dear friend, listen to me very, very carefully. You may be overwhelmed by this world. You may be overwhelmed by a lot of different things. You may have passed out or wish you could. But I want you to notice Jesus is going to reach down. Now, come on. Get with this now. And he's going to say, don't be afraid. Come on, get up. Get up. Some of you are down. COVID's got you down. Uh, the worries have got you down. The news has got you down. Listen to me. Jesus says, come on, get up. It's okay. I got this. That's what he said. I got this. I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one. I got this. Come on, John, stand up. Don't be afraid. It's me, Jesus. Don't be afraid. I'll be alive forevermore. I've got the keys to death and hell in my hand. What are you worried about? What could you be fearful about? And my dear friend, I say to you today, what are you worried about? Why do you, what's your fears? Why? Throw them away. Jesus has got this. And he's got you too in his hand. Believe him with all your heart. Believe on him today. And know him as Savior and friend. Know him as Jesus from the New Testament. But also understand he's a lot more. And in eternity we'll see him as the divine Savior. And then on this Thanksgiving weekend, man, let's just be thankful for that. Just be thankful for who he is. And for all that, as I've thought so many times, nobody could make this stuff up. This is just too good to be made up. It's real. God loves us. The one who made us loves us. And came to redeem us. And now we're going to get to live with him forever. And see him as he is. We shall behold him. We shall see him forever. And I think of that Ronnie Russ saxophone song. We shall behold him. Because Ronnie was doing that here when he played it. And he's doing it now in person. Bless your heart today. We're done. I want to close in prayer. If you would like to meet this Jesus and like to know him, he's certainly not hard to get to know. He already knows you.
come to him today. Give up your bullheadedness and your, I'm going to have to do it my way, life, and give it to Christ. Come to him today while we pray. Dear Father, it is beyond the capability of the human language to express how much we love you, how thankful we are for what you've done, for who you are, Son of God, Son of Man. Lord, today we love you, we accept you, we ask you to forgive us for our failures and to come in and redeem our lives and buy us back from what we've become and make us part of your eternal family. Jesus, we love you, we accept you, come in, fill us with your spirit. In Christ we pray, amen.